In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. Again, that is the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 36 to 41. Please open your Bibles to that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. Let us all rise in reverence to the word of God. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. Good morning. Good morning. For the official members of GCF Naga, after the service, please don't go very far. We will start immediately once we have the quorum. And once we have the quorum, we want to uh, make it, um, well, quick, uh, as much as possible. Peter preached repentance. We are on a series break. And in this series break, we have a mini series. There is a theme that we're trying to look at. And we started from Luke 24 and how Jesus Christ instructed and his disciples that they are witnesses of him, of his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. But they also witnessed the final lessons of who he was in the Old Testament, from the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, that it was written that indeed the Messiah must die and rise again. Because their idea of the Messiah is only one-sided, which was just a political Messiah. One who would lead the nation. That time will come. But it was not yet. It was the kingdom that was spiritual that would be established. And he... Before his ascension, before his disciples, the disciples asked, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? It means when will we have our king and rule again? You are the king, we know. But is it at this time that you will restore? Uh, so there was that curiosity. Is it now? Then the answer of Christ was, it's not for you, not you to know times and seasons 
that the Father has set by his own authority. So, which meant was, yes, the kingdom of Israel will be restored. But we understand from the Old Testament, even from Moses' writing, that if they persistently, well, if they disobeyed the Lord our God and followed after other gods, that the Lord would scatter them. And God would send prophet after prophet. Every time they would repent, God would forgive until such time the cup was full. And the consequence of their sin would come. And they would lose the authority to rule their own nation. The kingly succession would be cut. Babylon would come and invade them. And they would be scattered. The Persian kingdom would allow them to return. Not everybody was able to return. They were under Rome. And it was during this time when, when, when. Can you imagine if the Lord told them when they could rule themselves again? What they would think. Because if the Lord did reveal, he would say, May 15, 1948, Israel will be a nation again. <laughs> and you were living in the first century, right? What? That's the 20th century. But it also shows us that, hey, your focus must not be on prophetic things that has been told in the past. Oh, that prophecy will come true. Old Testament prophecy will come true. Even New Testament, if we bring it today's application, will come true. But it is not for you to know the times of the when, of what the Father has said. That is not for you to know, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part, the remotest parts of the earth. That was the sermon last week. And may I just remind us of some of the application. Do not chase around prophecies. Because the, what the Father has said will happen. But because the Holy Spirit is with us in Christ, we must remain focused on the task at hand. And that task is what? Spread the witness of the apostles, which, was the suffer, which is the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the things they learned, we pass on, and we, it was passed on to us. And we have it in the New Testament. So even we remind ourselves the main purpose of our lives is not just to survive the earth or the, this economy. It is not just to pay the bills to raise children, which is a godly thing to do, raising children, using the Word of God, with the Word of God as a foundation. That is honorable, and we should. It is not to have a, a fantastic career, though there is nothing wrong with building yourself up and improving your service in your company or in your business. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that because that is scriptural as well. However, let us not forget the ultimate thing that we must do while we still breathe. Of course, we should worship. Everybody should worship. However, 
When we are with him, we worship him forever. Here we worship, there we worship. For worship is forever, and worship should be part of who we are. But when we join him in glory, there's one thing we cannot do when we are with him. In heaven, we cannot be a witness of the gospel anymore. It is here and the now that that is the focus of our attention. And that reminds us not to be petty, not to complain about little things. It reminds us that what? To change the mindset that, well, I'll begin serving the Lord once I've settled my problems. I have so many problems, I'm so busy that I don't have time to proclaim the gospel or be a witness or to build this church community. I'd like to say this, and I have said this again, and we remind ourselves, problems don't go away. The only way for problems to go or for you not to have problems is to join him right now. If it's when the Lord takes you home, praise God, no more problem. So if you come to me to say, Pastor, pray that all my problems go away, I'm going to ask you, are you praying that you die now? Because that's the only answer to what you're asking. As long as you are on this earth, there will be issues. There will be problems. There, there are economic problems. There are relationship problems. There are family problems. There are business problems. There are academic problems. It exists. But we whine. Why do I have all these problems? Because you are alive, that's one. And there is no favoritism. Whether you are in Christ or not, you will have problems. What's your problem today? No, you don't have to say. All you do first is you pray. But don't forget to follow the way. Always. Here now in this setting, the Holy Spirit has arrived. Before this, the Holy Spirit has not come upon every believer. There were believers, followers of Christ before Acts chapter 2, before the day of Pentecost, which is a feast in the Jewish calendar. But for believers right now, it was the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. It was active even in the New Testament before the resurrection and the ascension. However, it wasn't as great a blessing as it was when it came, as you read in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, because the interaction with the Holy Spirit with every believer will be with every believer. It's no longer just kings and prophets that God has chosen. It's not just the high priests during those ceremonies that God has chosen. No, no, no. It is now every genuine believer. And here we will see the promise of God, the Holy Spirit of promise. And I believe that is a promise and that it 
it, the word, the law that is put in our hearts and the spirit of God in our hearts, in our lives, go together. When it was promised in the Old Testament, one day, God said, one day a promise. I will give you a new heart. That was in the Old Testament. In the book of Hebrews, it was repeated, it was quoted that he will write his laws in our hearts. What does that mean? You see, if you're not a believer, you don't want to obey. You don't care. Jesus Christ and the Word of God is just, it's just a book. It's just a story. And then you find these guys up to the death. They're willing to die. And not even retaliate. The desire to follow. The desire to obey. It is the work of God. That he writes in the hearts of every believer. Now the Holy Spirit has come. And that is the age we're living in. They said there was the age of the law. The kings and the prophets. Then 400 years of silence until John the Baptist broke the silence, shouting, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he baptized them in a baptism of repentance. And so many came to John the Baptist to be baptized until one day someone comes and he said, John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy. The lowest servant removes the sandals, the footwear of their masters, their teachers, their guests. He said, I'm not even worthy. I'm lower than that, John the Baptist says. And he said, he must increase, I must decrease. Then Jesus began to preach. Repent for the kingdom of God is hand. Believe in the gospel. Jesus proclaiming, repent and believe. The sermon today, the title is Peter Preached Repentance. Which is, he was following the instructions of the Lord in Acts chapter 2. I mean Acts chapter 20, Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Luke 24, 47. Now the disciples waited for the promise of the Spirit, and the Spirit came powerfully, which opened the opportunity to proclaim because they were speaking in tongues with different languages. And people from all over the world visiting Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost. They were there, and they came from different places, Jewish people who lived in other nations because they were scattered because of the war since Babylon. And they have learned to migrate back and forth, come home and migrate. And a lot of them have prospered. And that's where the synagogues came from. Those who were scattered, they gathered themselves. And as long as there were 10 of them, they established a synagogue. So they would have a reading of scripture together. Just a reading. Reading. That explains why the Jew even though not a scholar would know the Old Testament quite well. So they were scattered and they came and they were hearing them 
Oh, that's my language. He's speaking my language. And somebody said, they're drunk. We cannot be drunk. It's just, it's early in the morning. No, no, no. Then Peter explained, this is what was promised through the prophet Joel about the Holy Spirit coming. And he, and he quoted the Psalms as well of what David said. There was an opportunity to proclaim. Now Peter preached what the scriptures say about the Christ. And you can find that in chapter, one, chapter 2 verses 1 to 15. And Peter proclaimed to the crowd David's words from the Psalms pertaining to the resurrection. And you'll find that in Acts chapter 2 verses 25 to 28. Peter would then announce that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, whom the crowd whom you crucified. Let's read that, verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, talking about Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Wasn't it the Romans who crucified Jesus? Yes, but the crowd shouted, crucify, crucify. Now, what did Peter do? He followed the instructions of Jesus. With the, armed with the knowledge that what Jesus told him that, well, let me show you who I am in the Old Testament. What the prophecies were made about me. Armed and equipped with that, and we know that Luke did not expound too much on that. We find that exposition. We find that in the New Testament. And especially the writer of Hebrews. And the other writers who pertain to the ceremonies and the prophecies. And here he quoted David about having a descendant. Whom David would call Lord. Whose body will not see corruption. Ah, that is pertaining to the resurrection. You see. All other religions don't have this claim. His body did not see corruption. On the third day he rose again. But that was prophesied. David saw it, put it in a song or in a psalm. First point, repentance and baptism. Now, after hearing this and Peter telling them, you crucified him or whom you crucified, he is Lord and Christ, Messiah. Now, sometimes when we, we try to use a modern translation called Savior, and which is fantastic. But this is very specific, the Christ. Not just Savior or somebody. Savior can mean so many things, but the Christ the Messiah is specific. The one who was foretold by prophets long ago. So when we say he is Lord and Christ. Yes, he is Savior. Yes, he is that. But more than that, he was the one who was mentioned since Eve. When God told Eve, you will bear a child one day. He will bruise the serpent's head. And all the way, even through Isaiah, there will be a prince of peace 
He is the Christ. He's not just Savior the way we understand Savior. Not just the one who died on the cross, but the one specifically, the son of David who will not see corruption. The one specifically foretold. It is that specific. Are those things important? Of course. The disciples, the writers of the New Testament kept clarifying that. The Jesus we're talking about is whom? This is the Jesus who we're talking about. And they were very specific. Because Jesus is Joshua as well. In the manner of speaking, Joshua means Savior. It's like today, there are Filipinos whose first name is Jesus. Jesus. I have that classmate. So it's just, how do we call you, man, in English? <laughs> it's just kind of weird calling you Jesus. Okay. Then he would... Right along, he would just say, repent of your sin. <laughs> I don't know if he was Christian. I wasn't a Christian then, but he was a classmate of mine. And he would just say, hey, can I call you Jesus? And he'd say, repent of your sin. <laughs> uh, let's read verse 37. After the crowd heard it, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Boom, boom, boy, that hurt. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I said, Oh no, I shouted crucify as well. I was there. And uh, I was the one who said, Give us Barabbas. Oh no, oh no, maybe one of them, were, were th they were thinking that way, maybe, maybe. Do. Hello. It's not here, it's definitely there. We, we shall continue, and I'll try not to make any movement. <laughs> what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back. Dread came over the listeners, which led them to ask Peter and the apostles about what they should do. Peter gave a clear and confident reply that they should repent and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Each one would receive the gift of the Spirit. If what? If you repent in His name, in His name. Because there were repent and be baptized in his name. Because there were baptisms then before, but it's not always in the name of Jesus. And there was even a practice if you convert from, from your, if you're from being a Gentile, then you want to be a Jew. It's something not written, but something, a, sort of a practice publicly then that you are immersed in water. And then you have a sort of rebirth, a renunciation and a new life. And Jesus said that in Luke 24, 
that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in my name, in his name. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter followed the clear instruction of the Lord. He became a witness of the resurrection. Well, prior to this, he explained that the Messiah was meant to die and rise again. And he proclaimed... Peter followed clear instructions of the Lord. Peter became a witness of the resurrection. He explained that the Messiah was meant to die and rise again. And he proclaimed repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Peter would follow a similar practice of John the Baptist where repentance and baptism go together. For John the Baptist, repentance and baptism in water came together. The same way Peter would say, repent and be baptized. What shall we do? Peter followed the clear instruction of Jesus Christ. So if people ask you, what shall I do? What shall I do to be saved? What shall I do? What is your response? What is your response? You follow scripture. Don't follow any, any track you see that you bought in a Christian bookstore. This is what you say. You follow first what scripture says. It's plainly written and the clear instruction from Jesus Christ himself. But we love putting verses together from everywhere and just saying, this is what you should do. And this is clear prescriptive action, command. Um, please say to your neighbor, repent. Y your neighbor is not your neighbor. Sure, you can say the house beside you, but look at your seatmate and just mention gently the word repent. You see, if you don't put that in the gospel proclamation, if that's not your emphasis, there's a problem with our gospel proclamation. We like focusing on stuff like confess, receive, which is biblical. It's in the Bible. But how do you study scripture? You study it both from its inductive way and a deductive way. We see the theme throughout Old to New Testament as well as we look at the micro. We look at both. Now here clearly, what is the answer? You repent and if you truly repent, let's, make, let's go public about that. Let's, let's baptize you in water. Of course, we replace that these days and I don't agree with the replacements as acts of faith. They say it's an act of faith. Raising your hand, the preacher said, how many of you want to meet Jesus today? Of course, I didn't want to raise my hand. I, know, I don't want to die yet, right? Nobody. How many of you want to surrender your life? Just raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Again, raising a hand, there's nothing. But when you say you are saved because you raised your hand, you are saved because you came forward, and you are saved just because you follow the prayer, oh, okay, we have to put more context in that. You cannot just say that without context. How many of you believe context is important? You think that's important? When you tell me a story, do you think that your context is important? Or I can interpret whatever you say to me in whatever way I want. Uh, that's why relationship problems happen, right? Because you take phrases as is. Oh, 
But when you look at the context, oh boy, that's why. That's why. Huh, my mother got mad for no reason at all. Let's put context. Oh, that's why, dude. You never asked permission. You never told her, and you keep doing it. And the simple thing she asks you, you don't do. Let's put some context. No, I can't just listen to you that way. Let's put context there. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Uh, I don't want to debate here, but some said you will receive gift of tongues. No, it's the gift. It's the Holy Spirit himself who is the gift. Uh, what about the gifts? Well, if God gives you some gifts, go ahead. Praise God. Amen. And God gives you gifts of healing. Praise God. Amen. But if you see here, as you read further, the upper room experience did not repeat itself to the 3,000 souls. It's not recorded. That experience, similar experiences happened in the, in the place, in the house of Cornelius. And another time with Apollos. Three times. And in the epistles, the apostles did not bother to say or did not even say, well, unless you speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. The apostles never say. In the, in, in the epistles, it's not there. How do you study? You compare narrative to epistle and see the synchronicity. And if we find synchronicity from the narrative and the epistle, that's a stronger, theologically stronger. That's why in the book of Acts chapter 15, right? The new Jewish believers, including the apostles, oh, they're Gentile believers. There was an issue. Oh, the gospel is to the Gentiles. And they receive the Holy Spirit as well. Should we welcome the Gentiles? Of, of course. And uh, what did the apostles say? These Jewish apostles said, Well, just tell them don't eat anything from blood, with blood. Okay? They still have a hangover of the food law. Okay? They were already believers, but then their advice to the Gentile church. Now, that's a narrative. You don't, you're, we have to be careful if it's a narrative, is it confirmed by the epistles? Or even the prophets. It didn't say, look at the narrative. See, Solomon had around a thousand or more partners, right? Uh, wives and concubines. It's, it's biblical, right? Uh, yeah, it's in the Bible, but that's a narrative. It is descriptive, not prescriptive. It is described. We were not told, go and do as Solomon did and have many wives. No, 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 no. That's not your calling, brother. What is it? So we see here, repent. And we see a confirmation in the epistles again and again. Now, some would say the word repent isn't in John. Uh, yes, they use on other words as long as you use the same impact, the same meaning. Like turn away from your sin. Change your perspective. Change your mind about this generation. That is repentance. Of course, in the Old Testament, when you say repent, it's a grieving about sin and a turning away from sin. It's a humbling of the self. In the Greek, it's also about in the New Testament, it was a change of mind, a change of perspective. So they say, whenever you see the word repent, 
you cannot separate the word believe. And if one truly believes, you cannot separate that they should repent. You cannot just believe and not repent. And we see that in John chapter 3. They do not believe because they like the deeds of darkness. Because the wicked, they like the wicked ways. That's why they do not believe. So what does that show? Believing is also turning away from the deeds of darkness. From wickedness. Now the Lord Jesus instructed, how do we apply this now? Well, he instructed his disciples to to be witnesses concerning his resurrection, which was the fulfillment of scripture. He also instructed the disciples to proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name. Luke 24, 47, by the way, 47. We must follow the directive of the Lord to his disciples and preach the gospel according to his instructions. Uh, If somebody asks you, how how do I preach the gospel? How do I evangelize? It's here, line by line, the Lord showed us. You cannot neglect the the resurrection, the suffering, death, and resurrection, and its significance. And that's why a a little understanding of the ceremonial law or, or the book of Hebrews, the significance of the innocent lamb, the innocent animal. It's not always a lamb. An innocent animal, an animal who had nothing to do with for with your sin is sacrificed. And if we don't understand that, we will always ask, what's the connection of death on the cross and my salvation? What's the connection? Unless you see the context of all of Scripture, that's the only time we see the connection. Today we say, we, say we replace baptism with acts of faith that, Walking down the altar, praying a sinner's prayer, raising the hand. They're all acts of faith and all accepted. I cannot accept it because faith doesn't need an act, although it does have actions. Faith must, must result into obedience. But I'm saying in the moment of faith, you don't have to raise your hand or say a prayer. If you truly believe in your heart, seated there, genuinely believe with all your heart. Genuinely repent wherever you are. That moment is the moment that He saves you. But what's the outer expression, the real, if you want an outer expression? It's really baptism in water. You serious? Let's look for water. (laughs) That takes effort, right? Okay? That's why some of you do it better. You You plan an outing by the beach, right? And then you said, you, you repent, let's go to the water. But I learned something in baptizing people in water. You have to check the waves first. Like we were in this camp in the Gupan, and so many young people came to the Lord. And I said, we need to have a baptism in water. We're talking about hundreds, hundreds. So somebody volunteered, let's go to the beach. And I didn't expect the force of the water to be so strong as to knock out the biggest man with us. So every time we would baptize, I have to time it well so when they stand up, they're helped standing up and they run towards the shore. (laughs) Point number two, the Holy Spirit. Let's read verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Again, there's that statement. The promise of the Spirit is not only 
for you, but for everybody very far who truly believes. It's for everyone. The promise of the Spirit. And then there's this phrase that every now and then the writers of the New Testament inject. That it is God who calls you to himself. It's always there. It's always there somewhere. The sovereign decree of God. Where the apostles challenged people that they should repent. They should believe. They should be baptized. Yet they inject it is the work of the Father. Always injecting that. So that we don't give glory to ourselves. We give glory to him. Peter explained that those who repent and are baptized in water shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Which God promised to all whom he called. The promise of the Spirit was not only for the apostles, but to all who repent for the forgiveness of sin. Now Luke, the writer, does not record, record the same experience that the apostles experienced during the coming of the Holy Spirit on each of them. See, the Holy Spirit, there were tongues of fire and individualized, signifying that it is for every person who truly believes. The Holy Spirit is not just for men of God or women of God, not just for prophets now. No, no, that's what Peter was saying. You are a royal priesthood, royal kingly and priesthood. Because before, God would deal with the sons of God. Because sons of God, when you say sons, Son of God before, it's not just divine. The real divine phrase is Son of Man. It was prophesied in that. There's only one who claims that, and it's Jesus. The Son of Man is not literally the Son of the Flesh. It is Son of Man prophesied in Daniel who will rule forever. But if you say Son of God, David was called Son of God. Solomon was called Son of God. Those of royalty. The high priest was designated as Son of God as well. Now, even Peter said in, in his epistle, you are a royal priesthood. What now? No, you see, it's no longer just a few kings and prophets and priests who are special Genuine believers. That's why, that's why, brothers, speak the gospel. That is the power of God to salvation. Don't focus so much on your incapacity or incapability or your insecurities. There's no insecurity with the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. It is the power of God. We are nothing. And you have to understand, we have to understand that we are vessels to proclaim and vessels to clarify. The promise of the Spirit is for you and your children. Wow. It's not just for that generation. It's for all generation who would truly believe. Every generation who would truly repent. It means every son and grandson and granddaughter or great-granddaughter who would believe the promise of the Spirit is for them as well. You know how special it was then when they were listening to this? For some of us, we take it for granted because we've heard the concept of the Spirit with us. Although... Not all of us have experienced its reality in changing our hearts for the glory of God. Now, it's so special. It's given to each one. And take note, the phrase that, and you shall receive the gift of the Spirit, means the Holy Spirit himself is a gift to everyone who believes. Now, the gifts of the Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12 is manifestations of power. But some make the mistake of you must have a manifestation of power to signify that you truly have the Spirit. No, it's not written in Scripture. 
Let me see, 1 Corinthians 12, 30 even say, Paul said, Do, does everybody have the gift of healing? Does everybody have the gift of miracles? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 30. Does everybody speak in tongues? Uh, well, well, he was sarcastic during that time. It, it was a rhetorical question, which the answer is no. 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 The answer is no. Aside from being a witness, our application of the Lord's death and resurrection, Peter proclaimed repentance. And he also introduced the Holy Spirit to his listeners. Now we must also introduce the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Lord Jesus. Because if somebody says, I repent, but how can I sustain this? How can I truly stop my old life? I don't know your old life. Old life of gossip. Old life of womanizing. Old life of what? Drunkenness, old life of, of deep hatred and anger and, and bitterness. What do we say? Well, just repent deeply, sincerely. Just be serious about repentance because what? Because you will receive the gift of the Spirit. What is that? The Spirit will regenerate you. If that is true, your belief is true. He himself will give you the power to obey. He himself, God himself, will you give you the power to stop what you need to stop. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you know there would be a difference. It's not just you conditioning yourself out of extreme self-discipline, although self-discipline is needed. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But it is the work of the Spirit. So what do we do? We yield to God. We surrender to God. We say, I give up, Lord. I don't want to run my life right now. You must run my life. I will follow you right now. I will follow your lead. It's no longer about me, but about you. Because it's always been about you. The universe has always been about Him. Everything was made by Him and for Him. That's in Scripture. But we are blessed to be called in Him. We are blessed. So what we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forever, I will thank you, Lord. Because I deserve nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing. All my good works do not meet, do not, cannot cover my sin. Only the sacrifice of Christ covers my sin. Only a justification through faith because of that sacrifice is possible. Words of witness, last point. Peter devoted more time to explain what he witnessed about the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who received this witness were baptized. Of course, it means that they repented of their sins. 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's read verses 40 and 41. And with many other words... He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his words, his word were baptized, and there were added by that day about 3,000 souls. Well, souls is person, because I mean, don't think these are ghosts, okay? I mean, 3,000 people. Um, now, if you look at it, you would see that before he said, repent for the forgiveness of sins. Then he said, save yourself from this crooked generation. And somehow we still see as consistent in all of our scripture, when you say repent, that is also 
turning yourself from what the world and what is the world what is the world well we are in the world we're not of the world it is the boastful pride of life what the world is proud of that's not our ultimate goal no no the world worships the rich and powerful we can understand the world but our hearts and passions are different we are of Christ if he has destined some of you to be like David figuratively speaking people of influence praise God people of power use it if you become wealthy like Solomon use it for the glory of God do your best as well for the glory of God but if you're like John the Baptist who had to scrape honey and wear camel's clothing don't do that please there are cheap clothing already that looks good I'm just saying not everybody is meant to be rich as prosperity gospels preach some of us need to go through the fire some of us are destined for that but what we don't know is the rewards in glory that's what we don't see that's why your best life now is not here on earth it's with him in glory 3,000 were added now it's it's beautiful in the sense that Peter spent more time with them to explain he used more words to explain and that's what we do after we proclaim the gospel we sit down and, and, and we, we have that discussion we take time to explain we explain their witness now application as Peter dev devoted more time in explaining what he witnessed about Christ we should invest time in explaining to others about Christ about Christ as revealed in scriptures moreover we must urge people not to follow the wickedness in the world praise God some highlights when the listeners asked Peter what they should do what was the answer repent and be baptized but before that Peter spoke of the resurrection don't be like modern preachers who feel like they need to close the deal you know like like salespeople they have to make you sign the application form and we've got the deal man somebody tell me pastor he accepted what what did he accept tell me exactly explain to me exactly what did he accept because if you're gonna say just because he prayed he did not understand what he was receiving oh gee <laughs> you have to invest more time explaining that dude okay then I would ask did you follow as the Lord prescribed now the Holy Spirit is God's promise to his disciples that is another highlight from generation to generation praise God thank you Lord for the Holy Spirit who strengthens us and Peter devoted more time in explaining and I hope to see us in growth groups small groups I mean discipleship groups we can talk to one another call one another and discuss the Word of God what should we do you want to be saved from this crooked generation you want to be saved from your sins from our sins what what should we do now don't have a false assurance just because you have a form of acceptance but you have not truly done repentance you have a false assurance and that's dangerous what is a false assurance that is the warning of scripture that many will claim to be believers but do not they you cannot see in their fruit 
you cannot see in their lives because there's no genuine repentance. There's a no genuine turning away. So what do we have? We have the warning of revelations. We have churches that are not where the light isn't there. The churches where the light of Christ isn't there, where the word isn't there. So I give you right now a piece of poetry called Repentance and Resurrection. Imagine their dread when they heard, when they all listened to God's word. Oh, Peter, what then shall we do? Sincere response to what is true. Some of them shouted, crucify. God's word can indeed terrify. Even so, there would be forgiveness, a relief to the soul's distress. Peter said, repent, be baptized. That was more than simple advice. Repentance is the Lord's command, a new position, a new stand. To repent is to turn away a change of what we think and say. Baptism, an external act, an announcement of inner fact. The Father will give the Spirit no generational limit. A gift to all He called to Him, all those who repented of sin. More words of word and witness. 3,000 received forgiveness. Peter followed Christ's instruction, repentance and resurrection. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord. You are good and you are gracious. We are reminded in this new year that every one of us should believe in the resurrection with all our hearts and understand its significance. And that Jesus told his disciples to proclaim repentance. Teach us not to neglect that important fact. We challenge people to repent, and after which, be baptized in water. May we preach it in His name, always in His name, not in our name, not in the name of a religion, not even in the name of our very own beloved church community. It's not that. It's about Jesus Christ, who He is, who He claims to be, the Son of God, the Son of Man, God Himself, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect High Priest, the one who rules forever, the one who makes intercession forever for us as well. We proclaim Him. And He is risen, never to die, because it's once and for all His death. Teach us to proclaim as well. Peter followed the instructions of the Lord found in Luke 24. He followed it to the dot. Teach us, Lord, to follow your instructions directly. Teach us to repent. Teach us to believe. Teach us to proclaim properly. Thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Amen.